Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Gina. And I'm Evo. Happy Friday, Evo. Happy Friday, Gina. We're going to cheers today. Yeah, we are, believe it or not. <laughs> but I just want to preface this by saying that this is a non-alcoholic wine that we are drinking. As Evo and I are sober, we're actually going to be talking about that today, which I'm pretty excited about. But this is a G-Sing Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, non-alcoholic. Let's say cheers. Cheers. We haven't cheers on the show in a long time. Yes. And for anybody that's wondering, non-alcoholic stuff is surprisingly good. <laughs> and um, this has a very refreshing, dry grape taste that I really appreciate. Yeah, I didn't really think that I was going to be doing the non-alcoholic stuff. And then it just, by chance, ended up trying something. I was at that that little get together that we went to. Yeah, shout out to shout out to our friends. Yeah, and that was that invited uh, us to a a party night, and the people in attendance, some of them, like half of us were not drinking, and then half of yeah. us were. So there was like a great mixture of alcohol yeah, and non alcoholic stuff. stuff. Yeah, and we got to taste some things. And we were like, ooh, kind of like these. Yeah, so it was, I was pleasantly surprised. So then I kind of like started to explore what else was out there and found. A pretty good selection of some good stuff. Yeah. I'm not going to name any names right now, but <laughs> there's definitely some stuff out there. So this episode is going to be titled Sobriety Chronicles because mm -hmm. Evo and I are going to be talking a little bit about sobriety and why we chose to go sober and some facts and fun tips and stuff like that that's behind it. So buckle in, buckle up. It's the law. We're in for a dry ride. You know, Gina regularly practice um sobriety you've been doing it for like what the last five years now you would do it once a year uh i actually yes i have you have half of the number right i have been seeking sober moments for the last five years and i do it um i do it four times a year four times a year i do once i incorporate it once a season so yeah summer winter fall so, you know, we're on different journeys. You know, Gina Gina seeks sobriety for a um, one reason. And it seems like it's for more discipline. And uh, Why are you giving my secrets away? Well, I'm just... Let, let me share. I'm just, you know, kind of um, highlighting how our journeys are very different, but yet we're yeah. kind of on the same path. I do have other reasons, but I'll get yeah, into that. Yeah, you're definitely going to get into that. And um, throughout those years, I did not participate. Yeah, never. Never. Never at all. I felt like I didn't need to. I felt like I had a very good handle on my drinking. And I just didn't I didn't see things the way that you saw them. Mm -hmm. But totally respected your point of view and supported you as best as I could along the way. <laughs> I like how you said that because I'm like, how do you support Yeah, I'm me? saying as best as I could because like how... How much can you support somebody who's not drinking? I mean, I, I definitely was not practicing abstinence with you, so I wasn't supporting you in that way. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, when we went places and you wanted to leave, you were ready to go. You know, I would pretty much wrap it up and we would leave, you know, kind of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but so more recently, I, to be exact, it's, it'll be eight months in on the 26th of this month wow. since I've had my last drink. I decided to stop drinking my decision was purely based on not 
it not being a pleasant experience anymore. Mm. Uh, there was a there was a few negative experiences that I had over the course of my drinking career or whatever. That's not even you can't even call it a career. Just you know the time that I spent drinking over thirty years. Yeah. Um, I had a few episodes that I regrettably wish never happened. Um, but I want to just kind of like dial it back a bit and um, speak up, you know, talk about how when I was a kid, I never, like, I didn't need anything to like, to be social, right? Mm. And I just find, find it funny how you end up in a place where you you know you want to have a drink to kind of like unwind relax and be more social mm-hmm. but i remember you know now that i'm sober i think back and i'm like you know when i was younger i i didn't need any of that yeah. you know i was full of energy you know full of personality i used to go and hang out with older people and they would drink and i would pride myself on not needing that stuff and just being high on life you know, just being happy to be where I was at, being happy to hang out with these people and be out of my house. And that gave me everything I needed just to socialize and and kind of like be the, like, like the light of, of whatever was going on. Um, but eventually I started using because, you know, you want to like be cool. You want to be doing what everybody else is doing. And soon enough, I find myself changing as a person. And then I just after that I embarked on this journey where like you know alcohol was the gateway of something that ended up ended up being a life of experimenting with many different substances. But alcohol was like the first thing that I did. I remember I got drunk off of a tall boy in the back of my friend's car. We were mm-hmm. we were going somewhere and like they were they were handing out beers and I, I drank one tall boy and that did it for me. And so. After that, it was like, you know, anytime I went somewhere, I needed to have something so that I could feel comfortable and socialize. Mm. Um, and I want to say that everything was everything went well for a very long time and. But once I started to kind of like dial back on the substances, I started to supplement those things with alcohol. And so there was a point in my life where I didn't drink as much because I was doing other things, but I, I mixed it. I drank and I do, you know, I did a little of this, a little of that, smoke, um, you know, maybe some pills, whatever. It's just depending on the situation, but drinking wasn't the majority of what I did. But you know, like like the drinking, I eventually stopped those other things in life because they just they didn't suit me anymore. You know, I was probably doing them way too much, and I just I just realized that like I needed to stop and and just phase that out of my life. And as I phased those things out of my life, I I ended up supplementing the time that I spent doing those things with just drinking, and I kind of became like a like a professional drinker per se, where I started to really like dive into the quality of the stuff that I drank. And I really started to like venture out on like different brands and what they taste like and, you know, how they were aged and, you know, really got into it. Um, And once I found something that I liked, 
it ended up being something that I would consume a lot of. And so over the course of many years, I ended up blacking out like four times. Mm-hmm. And in each and every single one of those instances, I caused pain to myself and to those people around me that love me. And a few of those were within our relationship. A few of those blackouts mm-hmm. were within our relationship. So I know you know these moments very yeah. well. And what was disturbingly sobering throughout the years was that I started to realize that I, you know, I pride myself on being a good friend and a good father and an amazing husband. And those moments when I blacked out took away from the one thing that I passionately love to do. And the last time I blacked out, I just realized that this is not, this is going against my mission. This is going against what I stand for. This is going against my passion. And it's, it's, it's like almost like discrediting who I am as a person. And I just decided that I, that enough was enough. I wasn't going, I wasn't going to allow something to destroy something that I worked so hard for, especially something that I had no control over. And the crazy part was that every time it happened, it happened in the moments when I least expected it. Are you referring to like... When I blacked out, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it happened in the moments when I least expected it, which was the most disturbing part about it all because there were many other times where I would be drinking and I'd be really going in, but be be, be coherent, fine. You know, obviously I'm drunk. You can tell I'm drunk and I'm talking like I'm drunk. But totally coherent, not embarrassing myself, wake up the next day, pretty basically can function and go about my day and be okay, struggling a little bit, but I'm okay. And these every these times, these moments when I blacked out, I wasn't even, I from what I could, what I consider close to drunk. You know, I think that most of us have a moment where we can stop and be like, whoa, I've had a lot. You know, you can tell yourself, you know, like I've been, I need to chill. I need to slow down. You know, those moments hap- happen very often where you're well aware that you're very drunk. But every time I blacked out, I don't remember being drunk, or at least not that drunk. I remember drinking, but I don't remember it being to the point where I needed to tell myself slow. I needed to like slow down and I didn't. And I just kept going. And so that was scary. And I, I guess you can say for the first two two times that it happened, you know, I kind of brushed it off as like, you know, one-off things that like, maybe I just didn't really understand what was going on. And I probably thought that they weren't going to happen again. The third time, um, I probably, I told myself that if this happens, if this happens again, then I, I'm, there's a problem and I need to stop. And I hope, and I kind of hope that, that it didn't happen, but I'm glad that it did because that was the time that I stuck to what I said I was going to do and decided that I was going to quit drinking. I can honestly say that I just, I had that moment where I've just had enough. And the best way that I can describe it for anybody who wonders what that's like, or how do you just decide that you're going to stop or you know, why does that sound so easy? Or it's not that easy. And, you know, I can just imagine, you know, how it sounds. It does sound easier said than done. Um, 
But what I was going through in that moment, I can only best describe as if you ever stopped doing something in your life as far as a substance goes, mm. whatever you were feeling in that moment when you decided to stop doing it, that's what I felt at that moment. And I, be I believe that those are the moments that people decide to make a change in their life. Those are the pivoting moments when someone says enough is enough and I'm going to make a change, whether it be with a substance or whether it be with, um, you know, a situation in their life, a relationship, a job or, or, or just something that they've been going through that's been causing them pain that they just decided that enough is enough. Mm. That's the, that's what I was feeling in that in that moment. And I quit cold turkey. That was literally the last night that I had a, that I had a drink and I haven't picked up another one or thought about or had a desire to pick up another one since then you know at the beginning there was those triggers that you feel like when certain situations arise like that you associate with drinking mm -hmm. whether it be a hard day at work or going out you know stepping into a certain environment where you would normally drink you know that those were triggering at the beginning but the ability to say no created a sense of empowerment within me that only grew over time and so now i'm just at the point where it doesn't I don't, i'm not triggered by those things anymore and i don't think that i'll ever drink again i have no desire to and i really think that i really think i hung up that jersey mm. as i've hung up many jerseys in my life <laughs> for many different reasons <laughs> so um even though you've been sober now for close to eight months, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard you say that you are done for good. I know that you have been very adamant about having no desire to do it in the near future. Don't see yourself doing it in the near future, but you've never been that definitive about not doing it again yeah as i just want to say that as time has you said it here on the show it's on record <laughs> it's on record right <laughs> as time has passed i can honestly say that things have gotten a lot better for me i've had a lot of improvement in my life in many different ways i've improved health wise yeah as far as my sleep goes i've been sleeping a lot better um, more recently, I've been dreaming a lot more than I used to. Mm. And I mean, within like the last two weeks, I haven't even said anything to you about this, but I've been having dreams every night. Sometimes I wake up and go back to sleep and have more dreams. Mm. And I was at a point in my life, you know, within my drinking phase where I would question like, why don't I dream anymore? I think I've said that to you. Yeah. I've said, we've had that conversation where I'm like, I don't dream anymore. Like, yeah. It just doesn't happen. And I just thought it was just part of life. Now I'm back to dreaming. We used to get into arguments, you know, when we were drinking. Yeah. And I, you know, because I'm a man and I have a deeper voice and I can speak louder than you. Mm -hmm. um, in those moments, I would become overpower vocally overpowering, you mm -hmm. know, and I'd embarrass myself and it would just create a bad situation between us and that happens that hasn't happened since you know which i think is great i think that's great for us yeah it was 
it was interesting when I would be sober and you would be intoxicated Mm -hmm. when we would have those kind of Mm flare-ups because I really had to recalculate how I wanted to approach you because I was sober and you weren't. And sometimes when you say words when someone is under the influence, it is not being registered. Mm -hmm. So those were difficult times. So now that we're both sober, it's like and they have. I know you hear what I'm saying. Yeah, we we definitely hear what each other is saying, and it it also it happened sometimes while we were both drinking as well. Oh yeah, and honestly, yeah. I think those were the absolute worst. Those were the argu- worst. I remember one. I remember one. One comes very vividly to my mind. We were in the living room. We were having a great time, and then all of a sudden we got into this like discussion, and it like turned. 180 degrees. 180 degrees. Instantly. It was like about face. And I just remember waking up the next day like, what the hell? So, and then there's the the interaction with the kids, you know? What do you mean? Well, you know, there would just be times where we would be drinking, we'd come home. You know, it wasn't like we were drunk or anything like that. But, I mean, it would still, we would be... We would, I would, we would have to interact with the kids sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. whether the boys, you know, they would be in, you know, out and about in the house and, you know, we would just, or, you know, maybe Ava would wake up in the middle of the night, you know, and like, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, there was, there's just, it's inevitable that you were going to in- interact with your children if you have children mm-hmm. and you're drinking. Those don't leave good impressions on children. I, I don't, I think that like as a kid, maybe smelling alcohol on your, on your parents' breath mm. and, you know, maybe they're acting or, you know, talking a little funny and, you know, you're like, oh, you know, mom, mm. dad's been drinking again. Mm. You know, I, I believe some kids grow up not drinking because of those situations. Mm. You know, I believe there there's, there's people out there that decide, you know, I don't, I don't like to drink because my parents used to drink. You know, they used to get drunk and I like the way that they had act or they talked to me. You know, so that's not happening anymore. You know? Well... If I'm going to speak from personal experience, which is really all I mm-hmm. have, I would say that I never really had that impression about the adults around me when I was younger as far as drinking. Well, I had a- it was other it was actually other substances that were problematic. Yeah. Alcohol was somewhat of a I have some good memories tied to watching the adults consume alcohol um i have one memory in particular of my grandmother um drinking like some wine on the porch and her talking to like my grandfather at the time and i just remember being kind of in awe of them as adults because i don't think that they were taking it to an extreme so i have like good memory side tests i don't always think that it's placing a bad impression on a child i don't want to i want to just share like what i consider maybe the other side of that if you recall Mm -hmm. i said some yeah yeah yeah. okay so like i had an alcoholic uncle Mm. and i've seen him in multiple occasions you know come home belligerent Mm. um you know getting into physical altercations with his brothers bad bad situations and i remember like saying to myself at that age like i don't like alcohol is stupid you know like i don't ever want to be like that yeah but you know and so but the, i guess it fortunately, wasn't <laughs> well, fortunately you know he wasn't I, I he wasn't a large part of my childhood mm. you know I, I remember brief moments you know like he would come and go he didn't live with us you know but he would show up every now and then and in most cases he was drunk mm. and it would be a show 
And so that did not leave a good impression on me as far as alcohol goes. And I believe that some people, you know, go through that with their actual parents. Yeah. So. Or someone in their family. Someone in their family. And not, you know, thankfully that's something that's never happened with us. I, you know, I can, I just want to state that. But reflecting back, you know, there were times where I, you know, I know that my drink of choice was tequila. And I may have had five or six glasses in a night. And then end up talking to my kids. So I know I smelled like tequila. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that that's a pleasant thing for your child, you know, to to smell. Okay. So it's just my own personal opinion reflecting back on my life that I'm glad doesn't happen anymore. Mm. And so these are things that I feel have been an improvement in my life. And I'm very happy for these things now. And I don't want to give them up. Not for that. The risk is not worth the reward. I am risking these things that I find value in now for what what will i what will i gain from potentially drinking again where's the reward i don't see any so for me it's it's kind of like clear on not seeing myself or wanting to drink again mm. so that's the that's the path that i'm on who's who says I, you know nobody can tell the future but i'm pretty i'm pretty com- i'm i'm pretty convinced well, you said it's definite, so... Yeah, I mean, that's how I feel. I have no desire to ever want to drink again. And I hope it stays that way forever because I really, I'm really enjoying my life now um, without without alcohol. I'm enjoying watching you enjoy your life. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, you know, so tell us a little bit about, you know, what it, what's, you know, what is abstinence for you? What is, mm-hmm. how does, how does it happen for you you know, what does it mean for you? What are some of the benefits that you feel? What makes you want to do it? Yeah. So I would say, if I'm thinking back five years ago, I started on my, what I would consider my health journey, my fitness journey. And this is five years ago. I'm in like my late thirties. And if I reflect back on like my childhood, I watched both of my parents be addicts and I grew up saying to myself, never me, never will there be a time that I'm going to succumb or fall victim to a drug. But then here I am five years ago, finding myself drinking more than I thought that I should have been. Mm. And then what started to happen was I would be on this quest to be fit and work out and stay committed and stay consistent. And then there would be days that I would drink and then the next day I would wake up and I would have a case of the efforts where I didn't feel like doing this thing that I said I was gonna commit to because I had drank the night before. And for me, especially in my late 30s to my early 40s, and I think anybody in their late 30s to their 40s can rec- can identify with this, is hangovers are not the same. <laughs> and whereas I actually used to get very frustrated because you and I would drink, and I would drink what I would consider enough for me, and you would con- you would drink what you would consider was enough for you. And then the next day, Eva would pop out of bed, and I would literally be like a troll crawling out from underneath a bridge. It'd be a cinder block laying in bed. Yeah, and alcohol truly, horrifically, 
negatively impacted my sleep in a way that was I can't even describe how bad it was and why it was so frustrating is because I would talk to you about it and you would always just be like well you know well, why don't you try this? And what about this? Because I just sleep just fine, blah, blah, blah. And well, it used to get, I know, it used to get me so frustrated because men and women, we absorb alcohol differently. And that's just a proven scientific, scientific fact. And I think no matter what it is that you would say to implement, it still was going to affect me more than it, it would affect you. So it became very, it became very, it became a huge annoyance for me. So I started to abstain from alcohol on a monthly basis and I decided to do it per season. So I felt like once a month in each season, I'm going to withstand, I'm going to, you know, withhold drinking. And I remember the first time that I did it, I remember the first two weeks being so difficult I remember how many times I would say to myself I could use a drink right now I could have a drink right now and then there was that aha moment for me it was how many times I found myself saying that and I was like if I would have had a drink in all of those moments I would have probably had anywhere from 7 to 14 drinks a week possibly more so how were you handling those situations? Like how were you processing that? What were you doing to like get yourself through those situations? So in the beginning, it was just a lot of inner conversation with myself reminding myself why I was doing what I was doing. So a lot of the times I would I would say to myself, remember why you're choosing to do this, Gina? Remember how you feel when you drink and then the next day when you want to go out and do something, remember how you feel. So there was this constant inner conversation that I was having with myself. And I will say, I would consider myself someone that does have quite a bit of willpower. Mm. And that is because, again, reflecting upon my childhood, I watched parents be abusers of substances so I always had that mindset of if I don't want that to happen to me, I have to implement self-control. And the only way I can implement self-control is by taking it day by day and reminding myself of what my end goal is per se, right? So I did that. And once I got through the first month, I became so empowered because I knew the flip side of not drinking and being in environments that consisted of people drinking and I started to experience these moments that only somebody who is sober in an environment where people are drinking can potentially understand I started to have moments with people that I would have never had if both of us would have been drinking I started to find myself in very deep conversations that would have never happened if I was intoxicated because my brain would have not allowed me to go there. I was able to like really hone in on what people were saying to me and like the vibration that they were sending to me and their body language. Mm. And it was because I was sober. So I was really tuning in. Really, most people would think the opposite. Yeah, no, when you're when you're drunk in my and this is just my experience, I can't 
speak for anybody else but i feel like the conversations are very surface level they can't go that deep because you're inebriated so you feel like people would, would, would they were more willing to open up to you what they didn't realize is that because there were many times that i would go somewhere and people would be drinking and they wouldn't know that i wasn't drinking mm. so they had the perception that i too was drinking and they would just talk to me and because they were maybe more willing to open up because they were intoxicated and i was sober i was able to ask like really i was able to ask questions that would dig a little bit deeper into what they were saying hmm, that's and I, interesting yeah i found myself in some experiences where people came to tears while talking to me and that was really like a revelation for me. Alcohol will have that effect on you, yeah? Yeah, but what was happening is is because I was really connecting to that person. Yeah, no, I get it. But I mean, you, you, com you, combine, you combine you really connecting with that person to that mm -hmm. per with also with that person drinking mm -hmm. and speaking about things that are probably very personal yes. to them, you know. I would say I've had a, maybe like a handful of those moments over the last five years. It's not been like a ton, but it's still a handful is, is enough for me. So in those situations, how do you handle how do you handle conversations with people who don't know how to respond to you not drinking or don't understand why is it that you're not drinking? Because I feel like that that's a probably a conversation you've had more than once in social in social settings when people find out that yeah. you're not drinking so i will say that i haven't had a lot of them um a lot of my friends are really loving when it comes to that they've no one has ever like pressured me or like tried to drill me but i've had a few instances where people were taken aback that i was not drinking and if i can reflect upon one where it was a party and that was really the primary focus was people drinking and I was approached and you know shots were getting served and I was like you know I'm good and initially the person asked me was I pregnant because I wasn't drinking and I said no I'm just not drinking right now and they were like why and I said just because I'm not I'm choosing to be sober and the questioning went on again to be, but why? Because mm -hmm. I think some people can't understand why you're choosing to be sober if you don't have a problem. Yeah. And I'm just trying to express that it's a personal choice. And it's a personal choice because for my mental health, I need to understand why I feel so drawn to these substances. That is that is a thing for me. I've always been like that. Mm -hmm. Um, once upon a time, even when I vaped and it got to a point that I was like, this thing is calling me way too much. Mm -hmm. I cannot have this overpower me. Especially that damn jewel. That thing messed me up. <laughs> but anyway. We're trying not to curse this Yeah, we're, this trying, we're trying not to curse. But we're trying you to be clean. are just and I'm the worst. slipping and you sliding all over the place. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a trucker. So. <laughs> uh, but. So yeah, that's a little insight into my journey. Uh, and five years later, I really love it. I actually remember, I'm gonna share this story. Um, I went to a birthday party of a friend who had a party in a cocktail lounge. I remember this. Yeah, and everybody was drinking. And me, it was so- me, me included. Yeah. And I remember she, the birthday girl was, she was, you know, fairly intoxicated. And she came up to me and she was, you know, talking to me like as drunk people do, what are you drinking? 
I was like ginger beer. She was like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yeah, ginger beer. The, the um, the the bar, the mixologist made it for me." And she was like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, it's just like ginger beer. It's not actual alcohol." And she was like, "What do you?" The whole time I think we were there, she thought I was drinking because I I just the mixologist had made me a couple of them, and she was like, "What do you mean? <laughs> You're not drinking. You're at my birthday party." And funny enough. One of her other friends who has been sober now, I think more than five years, chose not to attend because people were drinking. Mm. And I asked about that friend and I was like, oh, where is such and such? And that and she was like, oh, she chose not to come because, you know, everybody's just going to be drinking here. And then that's when I was like, oh, well, I'm not drinking. And she was like, what? It's like, yeah, I'm actually sober because I I told you since I choose not to I choose not to drink once a season it was september so i chose not to drink for the entire month of september and something very interesting happened to you that night oh my god um at the bar with the with the with the mixologist yeah the ginger beer was amazing right so it was the best thing i've ever tasted in my whole life that's what i was trying to get at right so i think that for you Mm -hmm. the fact that you weren't drinking Put you in a situation where you were able to experience something that otherwise you would have never experienced, mm-hmm. right? If you were drinking, you would have never had a ginger beer made by by a mixologist. Yeah, which was watching him make it from scratch was like so dope. Right, and 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 the absence of alcohol in your life all of a sudden makes specialty drinks like that taste amazing. Mm-hmm. It almost becomes like an experience. Think of it as like if you stop eating junk food for a certain period of time. Let's say you stop eating junk food for three months, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you've really you know, committed to not eating junk food for three months. Somewhere along the line in those three months, regular food would start to taste so good to you. Yeah. And that is an ex- that's something that we're experiencing now. You know, Speaking for myself, now that I'm not drinking alcohol, is that some of these drinks, these non-alcoholic drinks, have become experiences. Yeah. And they're just things that I'm just, it's, it's a whole new, it's, it's a whole new experience that I never thought or imagined that I would ever even experience. I said experience like five times already. I have to <laughs> come up with another word. Um, but there is an upside, you know, to, to not drinking because I, I just, I, I feel like I can hear people or hear like the people that, you know, that don't, that still drink mm-hmm. thinking like, mm-hmm. what are they talking about? Like what, like these how these these are not these are just ginger beers of ginger beer. No, it's not. When you stop drinking, it's an it turns into an amazing drink, especially if it was like handcrafted. Yeah. So I'm not alone in this curiosity of sobriety. There's actually somewhat of a movement. It's primarily being driven amongst younger people. I would say Gen Z, um, maybe some younger millennials, where people are seeking sobriety. And they're seeking it for the some of the same reasons that I sought it, just to explore what it's like to be sober and not under the influence of a, of a substance. But their seeking of sobriety is not based on dependency. So they don't have a problem with alcohol. They're just choosing to say, I'm going to try this. Mm. And I will say that I believe as the way the energy travels around the earth, when you kind of shift things in your life, you start to notice other things that you may have not noticed before. And I will say that once I started to um, 
not drink, I started to notice more things that were involving not drinking. <laughs> right? Such as? I mean, just uh, environments that had a function that involved non-alcoholic things. Okay. or, But it would typically be that type of environment, you know? So, or I started to notice people in my feed that were also not drinking or drinking, you know, non-alcoholic drinks. I just felt like maybe those things prior when I was drinking weren't apparent to me, right? So, now the term uh, sober curious actually comes from somewhere. So, there is, it's a credited term that goes to Ruby Warrington, an author of a 2018 book, Sober Curious, The Blissful Sleep, Greater Focus, Limitless Presence, and Deep Connections Awaiting Us All on the Other Side of Alcohol. And as I read the title of that book, I feel like I totally understand everything that the author chose to put into that title because The Blissful Sleep, you have already stated, Mm -hmm. The Greater Focus, which... I said that it, the moment I stopped drinking, I was able to stay committed to a lot of the things that I had chosen to, to want to make a commitment to, thus having better focus, limitless presence, and deep connection. That was one of my biggest aha moments, my ability to make these deep connections with people. And I used to think that alcohol aided me in those things because I thought that it opened up this part of me that would allow me to be more free in the way that I was when in in reality, now the way that I see it is, the alcohol is actually hindering me. And now the journey to make these deep connections with people, it's not as it's not as fluid as it would be maybe with a little bit of alcohol because right. sometimes you feel a little bit more loose, you yeah. feel a little less tension. But I find myself really tuning in and really listening to people and finding ways to ask questions to get for to get a better understanding of what it is that they that they are truly trying to say uh some people are really receptive to it and some people are a little taken aback by it because they can kind of tell that i'm like really tapping in right so it's not for everybody that i come across but it is an interesting part of being sober. And when you hit like your six month mark, I think, or maybe your five month mark, I was entering into a time of season that I was like, okay, I'm ready to be sober. Yeah. And then I think that was, I did it in uh, after Mother's Day. I was like, after Mother's Day, I don't wanna drink anymore. So it'll take me into the summer. I was going to do from like May to like the middle of June into summer. And then something happened. I was experiencing some knee pain. And because I am very committed to fitness, it was causing an interruption in my ability to work out. And it was becoming very frustrating because I didn't know how to solve it. And... um. I was also 
and a little bit of despair because it was something very new. I had only been experiencing it for about five to six months and I didn't understand. I, I felt very like, why is this happening to me? And that was a hard time for me because I had considered myself to be somebody that like prided myself on being in a physical shape of ability mm -hmm. and this was hindering my ability. So after that month, I remember waking up one day and was like, my knee has not bothered me in the last couple of days. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this a little bit longer. So I decided that I was going to make a commitment to not drink for the entire summer. And here we are. I'm almost three months in because it was in May that I stopped drinking. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a beast in the gym sometimes. I did a plyometrics workout the other day that I was just like, good. Gina, you killed that. Yeah, I'm going to second that and say that I've, I've, I'm the most fit I've been yeah. in quite some time, yeah. And I I can't believe that I didn't put two and two together when it came to drinking on the weekend and then wondering why my knee hurt so bad for the next three days. Like, what? what's wrong? What happened? Yeah, it's called denial. It was <laughs> like this it, level of inflammation like, no, that I was experiencing. What are you talking about, bro? I just, you know, I'm getting old. Yeah, that's... That's what it was, right? No. It's age. It's... Not to say that that isn't potential, yeah. that could be part of it, but after that, like, I peaked at, like, that third, fourth week, yeah. I was like, oh, man, this is, there's something to yeah. this. Drinking is definitely not going to aid in healing an injury that you may have. Mm -hmm. Let's just put it that way. So you were hindering your body from actually doing what it needed to do to be able to heal itself from an injury that it sustained by constantly drinking. Yeah. So... I recently embarked on something that I introduced Evo to. So Memorial Day weekend, we were doing a home project. Our daughter was away at Girl Scout camp. And I said to him, I really wanted to try these CBD THC infused drinks. So we hopped in the car and we went and we got some. And I'm not going to say the company because I want them to know that I tried to reach out to them several times to sponsor us, but to no avail. But come to find out that there are many companies that make these type of drinks. Yeah. Um, just look it up. Just look it up. Um, we had to drive to New York to purchase it, but they do. A lot of these companies will deliver it to your home in New Jersey if you're interested. And it was a small can. I would say like a small V8 can because that's the only can I can. That's a really good way. To, that's a really, really good description of the can. Yeah, because it's yeah. that's the size of a small V8 can. And one I had. And I was nice for several hours. And it was a totally different type of nice. I was clear. Yeah. I was focused just felt very relaxed it was it was more, it was more like on the edible end of because you're ingesting it rather yeah than, rather, rather than than smoke or inhaling it i would say yes but i would say no for me it felt different than an edible because okay. i've done edibles yeah. it just felt calming and relaxing and like i just felt chill yeah so if you are interested in doing something that is considered non-alcoholic but you still want to just get that like relaxing sensation maybe if you need something to de-stress 
you want to step into an environment that may be your so you maybe have like a little bit of a social yeah. anxiety about you wanna, stepping to, you want to relax a bit take the edge off yeah i wouldn't say drink a whole can i would say maybe half I mean, it all of depends it. on your tolerance so you're not you're 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 not a, a regular consumer of thc right so understandably so you felt that can when you drank it yes and I knew the next time to do less of it. Yeah. Which, but still, even with the whole can, it wasn't like I was inebriated or anything where I was, I just felt good. I just knew that if I wanted to feel a little less, like the time span, I would have done a little bit less. Yeah, I think that for your, for your preference, you felt really good. Correct. Rather than just feeling good. Correct. (laughs) So there's actually been... Over the last, I would say, three years, there has been a rise in these non-alcoholic or THC, CBD drinks. There has been a rise. Almost, the market has seen almost a 100% increase in purchasing of these kind of products. And again, this is being driven by younger, the younger generations. um, Because it has to do a lot with people taking their mental health and their physical health with an outlook of this is very important to me this is something i want to take serious and i know that alcohol is not going to help me on that journey of health and mental health Mm -hmm. but i still want to sometimes find something that i can enjoy that will still be an experience so like you were saying some of these non-alcoholic things still give you that experience or if you want something just a little bit more some of these thc cbd drinks or something that you can try. So since you since you you know you 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 don't want to give the name of this particular company, mm-hmm. are there any non-alcoholic drinks that you've tried that you do enjoy that you can recommend? Yeah, we actually had Stella that was zero proof and yeah. we also had Heineken that yeah. was zero proof. I I could not tell you how much <laughs> It's the Heine, Heineken double zero. Heineken Double Zero really blew my mind. We actually had them this past weekend, and it was so nice because we were doing the typical summer weekend. Pool, barbecue, beer. But it was non-alcoholic. And we drank a six-pack between you and I. I want to say we went through almost three six-packs. No. I bought the first one. Then we bought a second one. Then you went out and got a third. Yeah, but the third was for the next day, not in one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throughout the weekend, we went through... So the best feeling was doing that and then waking up the next morning and going on a hike. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, so I'm going to eat breakfast and we're going to go, right? Now, if that would have been Gina, you know, summer 2022, I would have been crawling out of a tent or something like that. Yeah. What I enjoyed about it the most was that it reminded me of that feeling that you get when you drink a cold beer on a hot day. Mm-hmm. If you're the type of person that likes a cold beer on a hot day, you know that when you tr- when you crack that first beer, it's not because you want the alcohol. It's because you want the taste of a cold beer on a hot day. These Heinekens will give you just yeah, that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. They hit the nail on the head, and that's what I enjoyed, enjoyed about it the most, was picking it up and taking a sip and feel like I was drinking a nice cold beer on a hot day. So if you, um, if you ever want to try a non-alcoholic beer... I would suggest the Heineken Double Zero. Yeah. And the last thing that I want to add is I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not here to tell you 
what alcohol can do to your body. But there are definitely effects that are attributed to the consumption of alcohol from the lowest to the highest scale. I want to recommend a podcast by Andrew Huberman. It is episode 86 and it's literally titled What Alcohol Does to Your Body, Brain and Health. If you really want to get a cellular understanding of what alcohol does to your body, Andrew Huberman, he's a neuroscientist. He is a professor at Harvard University. I highly recommend it. I listened to that um, episode actually more than once. I highly recommend it because there was a little bit of the information that I needed to digest because I really wanted to understand. But when he got into the explanation of why it affects your sleep, I was like, Mm -hmm. freaking knew it. I honestly, I always thought I slept great when I drank, but it turns out that I was depriving myself of what good sleep actually was. Yeah. So that's all I have for you. All right. Well, um, what advice would you give someone who is considering reducing or eliminating alcohol from their life? So I'm going to give this piece of advice because in the beginning of the show, you said to me, how did you get through those moments when you were around people that were drinking and you weren't drinking? Like, what did you have to do? So in the beginning, I told you there was a lot of inner conversation. Mm -hmm. After reading Atomic Habits, I learned something that kind of flipped the way that I looked at things. And it was rewarding myself in the moments where I chose to abstain, where I was in an environment where it was being offered to me. So prime example, I went out to dinner one time with a couple of girlfriends and they were like, do you want to drink? And I said, no. And then I looked at how much that drink cost and I took that money and I bought myself something. Mm. So if you're thinking, because it's going to be hard. Yeah. It is not easy. Your mind is going to tell you a hundred times. Had a hard day. Have, have that drink. drink. You're out to dinner with your friends. Have, have that drink. drink. Because I will tell you, one of, some of the reasons why I choose to abstain from alcohol over the last five years is because what you said in the beginning. I like to test my own willpower. I want to see how much I'm going to crave it. So I know that that's going to arise many times. And then the other thing is, is that as I later on in my journey, you will see how many opportunities will arise where drinking is an opportunity. And you're going to be mind blown by all of the times that you would have potentially engaged, Mm -hmm. but you didn't. And then when you reflect back on the week, you're going to go, I could have drank like 10 times this week. So, and I'm not saying that every time you choose not to drink, reward yourself. But in the moments where it's potentially exceptionally hard Mm. and you find the willpower to say no, reward yourself with something, something small. That's actually great advice. Thanks. I would like to, uh, James Clear, Atomic Habits. Highly recommend that book, by the way. Okay. Well, if, uh, if anyone is wondering like like what do you you know what do people who don't drink do where do they go (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Because I've seen this before. People are like, you know, now that I don't drink, you know, like, what are y'all doing? Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's groups online of, mm. of people who got, who you know, who create events for, you know, for non-drinkers. Oh. Uh, one of the websites is called meetup.com. You can go there, uh, you can sign up, and I think there is a about... I'm, you know, I'm not going to say how many members, but it's it's definitely it's a, large, a large. It's a large group, um, and it's uh, it's focused in NYC. Cool. So they have tons of events there that they plan uh, for people that are not drinking non-alcoholic events. And if you're ever looking for something to do and you want to be around a bunch of people who are not drinking, who are socializing and doing things that non-drinkers do, that's a great place to start. Or you could DM Evo and I. See what's up. Yeah. Let's get to the cards. Check us out. All right. Last week's, oh, not last week's, the weeks before cards were pretty interesting. There you go. All right. I'm just going to take one. I'm going to go with this purple, purple, purple. Oh. All right. So last week you went first. Okay. So go. What do I do that turns you on the most? What I think you... I, I think I know the answer to this question. Um, I'm gonna say when I'm sitting on the couch and you come downstairs, sometimes like freshly out of the shower, looking good and smelling good, and you like come down the stairs and you like turn the banister. I'm always just like, God damn. Come downstairs looking like a whole snack. Yeah, that gets me <laughs> a lot. Okay. I did not know that. Okay. But I do see the twinkle in your eye when you're sitting on the couch. Yeah. And I <laughs> and I turned that bend. Because you know what's happening in my brain at that moment? I'm going, that's my man. Okay. Tell me about a time when you didn't feel supported by me. Mm. Tell you about a time where I didn't feel supported by you. I'm going to say it was... It happened a lot when I was at when I was working at the shop, mm. and I wouldn't say that you. I can't say that you weren't supporting me. I just felt that way because I was the most committed that I had ever been to any career in my life, um, and I was thriving. There was a moment where we were doing incredible business, doing incredible numbers, but it required a lot of my time, mm. and. That, I was not happy about that. That caused that caused a lot of stress between us and mm-hmm. our relationship. And I felt that you should have been supporting me in that time, especially since I was, you know, I really wasn't going out much. You know, I was just really focused on work, and it was financially it was really great for us. And I was doing all the things that I thought a husband is supposed to be doing, and I couldn't understand why was it that you were trying to pull me away from that. And one day we had a sobering conversation, which made me understand why. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> so, like, I was being supportive, but yeah. not in the way he wanted you me were to try- be. I mean, you were, you wanted, you were, su- I wanted more tra- balance. You, you were trying to support our relationship. Correct. You know, and just to let you guys know, the conversation, after so much arguing, you know, I might as well just say, after so much arguing of her trying to, like, get me to stay home, she looked at me stone cold in the face one day and said, you know, hey, Evo, I, you know, I love you and I love everything that you're doing, but, you know, what's the love if you're not home? Whew. And that shit hit me like a brick. 
And I'm talking about one that like, you know, came from the nosebleeds and I'm on the center stage and it just hit me in the face. Yeah. So. With crazy velocity. That's a great way to end this episode. <laughs> but uh, like I always say, uh, this was a great, this was a great conversation. It was very sobering. It was very sobering. No point in sending. <laughs> uh, I hope everybody finds this conversation helpful, useful, entertaining, informative, whatever it is. I hope it finds you well. So until next Friday on Spark Talk, where we are creating conversations about life. Peace out. Peace out.